0: We're just going to stand for the rest of the place. <laughs> if I got to stand, you got to. No, please have a seat. <laughs> All right, it's good to be here. Uh, my name is Chris Hoke. Um, I'm normally the one chasing around my little boy during children's service and disappearing. Um, it, was, it was an honor to be invited to be part of the, the lame-led service. Uh, I'd never really heard that word for a while growing up, lay. Does anyone not know what the word lay means, lay people? We use some of this churchy language around here. Okay, everyone knows what late people are. I'm late to the party. Um, all these texts, when I, when I uh, knew that I got to share the sermon portion of the service, all these uh, three stories are about embrace in a way, but a very difficult embrace. And I, I realized that's part of why I come to this church, that this is – Burlington Lutheran Church is good at that. You all are a church that's good at embrace. And that's why Rachel and I and our little boy Abram are here. We felt invited. I got to go to, uh, I go to a lot of churches to, to, to work in some way, but to, to really feel wanted as a family to just worship and rest. Um, but also, this is a community that I've seen welcome in more uh, bold ways, that there's different generations that are both welcome here. There's different political affiliations here, especially as heartening, giving some our friends in our past, to see that boldly and happily, in Jesus' name, the LGBTQ community is welcomed here. And that there's partnerships with the uh, migrant farm worker community here with uh, El Camino. So Burlington Lutheran is good at embrace. And so I think these passages we can look at today are really a way to under- undergird and embrace and kind of deepen, where does this embrace come from? It's not just a, a trend, it's not just a personality type. This comes from Christ. And to see what kind of a tradition of embrace we come from, and maybe it'll challenge us to look at embracing in even more costly ways. Um, I grew up in a really heavy on evangelism church tradition, and we always heard this one passage in 1 Peter that said, Always be prepared to answer those who ask you for the reason for the hope that is within you. And so maybe that as well can start can can deepen us even more when we are questioned about our embrace, the hope that is within us, and how deep this hope and this embrace goes back. And that that was in 1 Peter. That's a letter written by Peter. And we're gonna look at actually the main scripture today is Peter's experience. So the the passage that Jeremy read for us is starts with Peter getting in trouble. And if you think about it, some of the best teachings and scenes in the New Testament is where someone is busted. Someone is being caught up and criticized. Who get caught up and criticized a lot in the New Testament? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, he's always being questioned. And then his response is where some of the most beautiful answers come from. And so let us just, even there before we go into the story, prepare to see anytime we're criticized or questioned, to see that as an opportunity for the gospel. That this is normally not just where preaching happens, it's in pulpits like this. But it oftentimes happens in the midst of conflict, in the midst of uncomfortable questions. That to, rather than be offended by difficult questions, that's, that's the time when the Holy Spirit can speak through us. You might still get hurt afterwards, as we see with Jesus in the Passion narrative, but it's still an opportunity. So, Peter's in trouble at the beginning of this. The believers, and this is normally where we get questioned, it's not by the people who are purported enemies of God, but it's normally by the insiders. The believers are questioning Peter. Why? We read through the passages really quickly. Because Peter was hanging out with the wrong people. Peter had been known to go, as a Jew, to go into the home of a non-Jew, a Gentile, but not just a Gentile. He went into the home of Cornelius. Who was Cornelius? Whenever I ask a question, it's the participation part of the program. (laughs) You can, you can speak. They're not just rhetorical questions. Who's Cornelius? I don't know if it's that legionnaire, but what were the legionnaires? What were the centurions? Occupying, force. occupying forces, soldiers. So these are the oppressors. This isn't just like, well, that group out there that's kind of marginalized that we sniff our noses at. These are the oppressors. These are the enemies. So he's going to an enemy race and to the enemy political group who is hurting them. And he went into their home. So people said, so Peter, heard about it. Why are you doing this? And I like that Peter doesn't come back with uh, an ideology or even verses. He just tells his story. And so that's where we get the story today is he tells the story. He said, well, it all went back to when I fell asleep on the roof after lunch. That's most of how our good testimonies begin, right? I was, I was napping after lunch on the roof. And check it out. I had this vision. The sheep came down from heaven. And it had all these animals, four-footed animals, reptiles, birds of the air. That may make us think of um, our valley or National Geographic magazine, but in their culture, those animals mean what? Unclean. There are very clear passages in Leviticus 11 that these are the no-nos. You do not eat these things. And he has a vision Was it from the devil? Is it temptation? He has this vision of all the things he's not supposed to eat. This has been hundreds of years. It's very biblical. You don't eat these animals. And he hears a voice saying, take, kill, Peter, eat. And I said, no way. Past that temptation. But it was the voice of the Lord. And the voice said, what I call clean, what I have made clean, do not call profane. And like most of us, when God speaks into our life, we really need to hear it multiple times before we get it. And so he said, so, then it happened a second time. Then I saw the sheep come down and all the animals that are not cool. I know they're not cool, but then there's this voice came, and I think it was God. And, he was, and I was like, no way, God, I'm not going to fall for this one the second time. And God says, no, what I've made clean, yeah, maybe that's Leviticus, but what I've made clean, don't call unclean. And then a third time, and he tells the story again. And then... It wasn't just a vision. There's a knock at the door. And who's at the door? Some unclean people. So oftentimes these visions we get prepare us for actual relationships. And hopefully what we hear in scripture and what we have in our dreams isn't just for a shift in our heads. It's a shift in our heads so that we can follow into real relationship, which is even even trickier. And so there's a knock at the door, and there's these unclean people who didn't just say, hey, can we convert to your religion? We're so happy to be here. But they said, hey, come with us. And so he leaves his place of comfort, and he goes into the house of the enemies, who are unclean, and he might have been very unsafe as well. Because these are soldiers. It would be like a small Iraqi family going, following a whole bunch of uh, maybe some uh, American military there at the door with AK-47s. And then the Holy Spirit telling this uh, very frightened, faithful Iraqi family, go, because I'm going to do something that's going to change those soldiers and maybe change you too. So this is scary. Um, When he goes, Peter's still telling the story here to the people questioning him. He's like, stay with me. Then when we got there, I was still, you know, I was keeping my distance because I know these are the bad guys. And then when I started speaking and while we were eating together, I didn't make it happen. I promise the Holy Spirit just fell on him. It's like God just loved them. The same thing that happened to us. Remember back at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on us, and we feel really close to God. We're kind of special, and something special is happening. The same special stuff happened to them. They're not even circumcised. They didn't even get out their Torahs. They, they didn't repent of their oppressor ways. The Holy Spirit is just like falling like love all over them, and I didn't know what to do. Who am I to hinder God, guys? Please don't bust me that bad. So this is our story of Peter saying, I don't know, God's doing something. And I know the Bible says we're not supposed to like these people, but it looks like God's doing something new. And so that's our, that, that's our story. His, his lines, he says, which I think we can hold on to, or dog ear that page in the Bible, is Peter says, the Spirit told me to go with them and not make a distinction between us and them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. Who is I to hinder God? So I want to invite you to think, who are the people that your friends would be very concerned if they heard that you went to their house? Who would that be? And you don't have to speak out right away on this one. Think about it for a second. Who would be the people that your friends would be really concerned like, I know God says, you know, we love everyone, but really... Are you, are you going a little too far? Who would that group be? And now, if someone wants to risk saying who that is, go for it. Who comes to your mind? Who are some of the people that our friends and family might be a little concerned if we're spending too much time? Oh, come on, somebody. Break the ice. I would say Lutherans. But- Lutherans for you? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually true. I know, Nate. There was, there, there. All right. So, walk, welcome to the unclean camp. Anyone else? Who are the people that your friends and family might be a little concerned if you're spending time? The mentally ill. Okay. What else? Immigrants. Criminals. Republicans. All right, good, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what else? People living alternative lifestyles, like people who have shunned consumerism or popular Okay, people who have shunned alternative lifestyles. So there's people in your yeah. life that would judge you for being too among the kind of alternative crowd? Yeah. Okay, because then it might rub off and the unclean alternativeness might infect you. Yeah. yeah. They might stop or I might stop Right, you might start changing what you've belonged to and believed. All right. What's that? Drug addicts. addicts. Being around recovering alcoholics. Okay. And just like for Peter, Peter had his Bible verses. And I'm sure most of us, if there's a group that we don't like or that we're concerned about, I'm sure we've got our Bible verses, don't we? So what is it? It comes so clear. In Revelation, that other passage that Jeremy read for us, when the resurrected Christ, who's died, he's crossed a line into death and been risen, and says to his people, Behold. And what does behold mean? Pay attention. Pay, pay, attention. pay attention. Yeah, it's such a beautiful word, but it's normally locked in Bible ease. And are like, Look, check it out. Lean in. Look, check this out. I'm making all things new, the resurrected Christ says, the one that we sing our songs to. He's the one saying, look, I'm doing something new. I'm making all things new. The old things have passed away. We're done with diapers. (laughs) Yes, I gave you Leviticus 11. Yes, I gave you those diapers, but we're done with diapers. That was part of your development. It helped keep your stuff together for a little bit. And I think we need to see God raising his people through the Bible this way. Yes, there were diaper passages, but we're done with that. And no one wants to get out of their box. Abram is not ready to get out of his diapers. We have a good poop experience at the potty, but he goes right back. And how many of us have a good experience with God, and we go right back to our old boundaries, our old politics, our old prejudices, our old little ways of doing things, and God's trying to raise us. So if if you want ways to think about Leviticus sometimes, think about my little boy. So the Holy Spirit erasing these barriers. What does that look like today? I, uh, we need visions that aren't just in Palestine and the Holy Land 2,000 years ago. And so I invited my friend Sam here today to share a little bit of, of a story. My friend Sam is one of the most uh, courageous and holy people I know. And he was locked up in an American uh, lockdown facilities for 27 years. And, and it wasn't just what that time did to my friend because even within his first few weeks is when this story happened, so I thought, I invited Sam to say, can you tell the story today of, um, of what happened that kind of it illustrates the vision of what Peter's experiencing? So if you'll please um, put your hands together to welcome my, my friend Sam to be with us today.
1: to literally find a seat in a job. Finding a seat, a table to sit at, without getting in somebody else's way is you know, difficult at best. Um, when I first, my very first day, I went and sat down at an open table, and I was told very quickly that the lifer who sat at that seat wouldn't ask me to move, he would probably just try to stab so I ate about 30 seconds and left, and came back, lunch, sat at another table, told it was a native table. Yeah, no, you can't sit there either. OK. I finally went to classification, got uh, my actual uh, room assignment, and I had a seller who said, I just did 16 years. I'm getting out in two weeks. We're going to spend the first week getting you settled in prison. And the second week, you're going to get me settled to go outside. And so after inviting me to, to uh, meet a bunch of the different heads of all these different groups and uh, introducing me around people, he took me and got me a table in the chow. And this was Sam's table. This was my whole table. Uh, four seats. One of them was occupied the by Um, I was the only person who stayed at that seat for five years. And Sam's table was literally, I'm sitting between, I have Christians and child molesters, rapists, um, people uh, that were shunned, I guess is the best way to put it, in front of me. I have Hispanic gangs, um, mafia, Mexican mafia, those, that group to the side of me. I have natives on the other side of me. And on the far side are the white people, the Ku Klux Klan, the neo-Nazis, the black gangs. I mean, I'm in the middle, right in the middle They would try, the groups would try to push other people up here. You're going to have this guy No, People are going to find this table. They're going to find a place to sit down. They're, we're not going to force them to sit there. We're going to allow them to come to this table. And for five years, I let, I let that table just be a revolving door. And I mean, until you found the worst spot in place, you can sit Do people ever question you and the people that you've had it Oh, yes. most definitely. Uh, what are you, gay? You have homosexuals sitting in the table. Uh, are you a rapist? You have rapists. You have child molesters sitting there. I didn't care. These are people who needed to find a place to sit out and simply have a nap. Sit there until you can find your place to go. Because, you know, I mean, I literally watched guys start because it would not go to the child because it wasn't safe. It was not a comfortable place where you go. I mean, they would go days, without because they just did not want to deal with it. I came home. <laughs> um, I, came home uh, I didn't know you. <laughs> uh, my parents introduced me to Chris, but Chris spoke at the Bayview community church, and he uh, he has a uh, oh, my, there we go. I got it. One parish from prison. Um, it was an idea in his head that he had that. Bringing the church to, what's the best word for it? To welcome, that's cool, to welcome someone back to the community. And I was going back to a community of people who knew Sam when Sam wasn't the nice guy. Um, So, for the most part, people knew I was coming back to the community and were okay with it. Some were not so thrilled. Um, but, so Chris pulled the church, just right in front So I literally was sitting in my cell and I got a letter from a lady I didn't know and wasn't, didn't know what to do with it, so I set it on the shelf. It sat there for about two weeks before I could bother to open it. And then I got another letter, and another letter, and I got... <coughs> The first week I got maybe five letters and all this kind of sat on the show. And I just didn't know who these people were, why they were writing me. I asked my mom, (laughs) why are these people writing me? And she actually didn't know most of them. So, because of Chris, I had, when I got out, I had a card for my wallet. And I called it Sam's Uber, And it was the name of a bunch of people on there that If I needed to ride into town and go to school, go to uh, the courts, go wherever I needed to go, there were people willing to help me. And so it was a way to come out from the community to what I call soft land. Because I knew people would come out with nothing, no help, nowhere to go. And so the only thing they know is to go right back to what they they did doing. And if we can make that land a little easier for people um, I, to me that's what it's all about. I came out after 27 years. I mean I literally I'd never seen the internet. The last cell phone I saw was a briefcase that was 22 pounds that hands on the side. Um, video games or the last one I saw was Atari. Um I, I didn't know anything. And so I went to DSA and thought it was great, government office. And the lady in there was the greatest woman in the world. She literally sat down with me for two hours and said, let's get you fixed. And she laid out everything, health insurance, my schooling. I mean, she laid everything out so that I was able to just go back home, go online, put in a couple of passwords, and I was set. And it made coming back out so much easier. My social security card had been somebody back in New Jersey, our numbers are exactly the same except the last two digits are transposed. And he had actually been putting it in my account, which at the time was kind of, I couldn't open a bank account because my social security card was now altered. It was messed up. They called it, uh, we call it, uh, um, I didn't do that. And, but it wasn't, it just somebody transposed his numbers. So it was easy to fix. But for somebody who didn't have a lot of help, would have been almost impossible. So I've actually, coming out of that, <laughs> a very easy time, but it could have been a lot worse. So, I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's neat about the stories
0: Sam, Sam's Table in prison is what a form of that received you out here. And, and so I, I feel like that, that story of Sam's Table stuck with me for years, since he shared that with me because um, the prison, mess hall is a perfect portrait or caricature of society, right? We've got all the different races, we've got all the different crews, we've got all the different religions that have their area, and things can get very uncomfortable across those lines. And a very unique table, behold, look, check it out a new thing, a table where people are kind of right in the middle who are not supposed to be right in the middle. Um, Sam's table is an inspiration of what the vision is that God has inspired us to be. Christ that God can do a new thing. So even when Peter goes out, behold, a new thing, Peter doesn't go out and convert them back to the old thing. Peter gets, himself gets swept up into a new thing, right? He's changed and the centurions are changing and something new happens. And behold, babies. baby, check it out, a new thing. What was going on is that all these folks in baby right and saying, new things happen. And so we at Burlington Lutheran, we're going to start doing uh, one parish, one prisoner. We get into this coming home next year. We'll talk about that down the road, but just a heads up we get to be part of this mess. And it's not neat. There's no guarantee that everything works out well, but that's the mess that God and Jesus is inviting us into. Not to get things clean and perfect, but into the unclean experiment of love. This is normally the time when we invite everyone into the table. This is when we open up and have a, an edible, so to say, of the message. We eat and we take. The love of God in the body of Christ. But without Pastor Bethany here, we are not doing normal community. So I'm going to, Bethany told me to go just a little bit longer. If you all go out for contract for about five more minutes. Yeah. For, raise your hand if you'd rather just cut it right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, thank, thank you, Sam. For being here. So here's, um, we good? All right. Um, is I want to go into the, the, th- the third passage. We've talked about the Revelation, we've talked about Peter's story in Acts, but that seemingly familiar passage was our gospel, where Jesus says, Behold, I'm giving you a new commandment, which is. But that doesn't sound new, does it? Love one another. Oh, I guess that's new. It doesn't feel very new, especially if you've been raised in the church. It feels like we hear that all the time. There's been, it's hardly new. But this is what's fun when you're asked to preach, is you have to kind of sit with the passage. So you start sniffing around what comes before that passage. And you read after, like what's going on? What's the real situation? It's normally awkward. Normally awkward situations are where miracles happen. When Jesus says this, he says, the passage begins in John 13 now the son of man, or it says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified. Who, when he says he had gone out, it wasn't Jesus. It was right after Judas walks out of the room in a very, very uncomfortable moment. Because just before that, Jesus had said, look, we've been really close for three years together. One of you all is going to turn against me and I'm going to die. And someone leans in and says, No, don't trip. It's not you. Who is it? It's the one to whom I'm going to give this piece of bread when I dip it. So actually the first moment of intinction of dipping the bread for communion is when Jesus offers communion to the person who's going to betray him. And even before that, Jesus had washed the feet of normally the people that were going to betray him and abandon him and deny him. And so after he even gives communion and starts with the person who's going to betray him and doesn't try to stop him and says, "Go, go ahead, do your thing. Then he says, now the Son of Man has been glorified. And so I've just been sitting with that verse. Now, right there, right as Judas walks out the door, there's something about that, whatever just happened there, that is where the glory of God is seen. And some kind of love, even for the people that can hurt us the most. And so in the Acts story, we have this embrace of God bringing together people groups that have, been hurt, that have hurt one another historically. But where I want to invite you to now is what, as well is Sometimes the people that have hurt us the most aren't a different people group, but they're the people closest to us. Sometimes they're our best friend our family member. That's where hurt and betrayal can happen really up close. And that's where Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. It's based on, it's not out of the, out of the, the blue what he's saying. It's totally connected to what he just did. You all see what I just did? That's the new commandment I'm giving you, that you love one another including the people that hurt you the most. Um, how many of you have been hurt by someone that you're very close with? Not just an enemy combatant, but someone very close to you. How many of you think about that person more often than you want to, because you just can't resolve it? Last time I got to, had an opportunity to share with you all, uh, last, last June, uh, one of my good friends, one of my best friends, uh, something very, very painful happened this last year, and I'm still recovering. And so when I read this passage, it really hits home for me about Jesus offering communion to the person who betrays him and says, Chris, just as I have loved you like this, you should also love one another. Because by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so let's go to the imaginary table right now. I invite you to close your eyes. Imagine you might already know but I'm going to ask for your help resurrected Christ to give us visions the same way you gave visions to Peter he falls asleep after lunch show us now as we imagine going up to the rail for communion right here to receive your table show us the person that we don't want to see next to us at the communion rail that you show us Holy Spirit is it someone from that people group that disgusts us A political group just trust the first thing that comes to you Holy Spirit show us maybe it's a person we think we're, we're cool with maybe it's a people group we think we're okay with but you show us God right now if that's somebody that we actually don't want to be next to that there's hurt or there's disgust Lord Jesus, let us hear your voice saying, do not call unclean what I have made clean. I invite you to look to that person and receive the cup and the bread and that you dip your piece of communion and you turn to that person who is unclean to you. You place it in their hand and you say, body of Christ. just as with Peter there's a knock on the door within hours God I ask that this vision that we're preparing right now in our spirit that you prepare us for real encounters for the real presence that we we may go out and people will know that we are your disciples not by our voting or our church attendance but because they see this costly love That only God could do that. And that we bear the scorn and we also get to enjoy the joy of being at your table, Lord God. Because this is where you are glorified. This is how you loved us. This is how you call us to love one another. And so, Lord, when people ask us why we believe in you, what's the reason for the hope that is within you, in the age when Christianity is so passe? We can be like Peter and just tell the story. What's your story? What was the risk you followed? Jesus, in your name and in your table, your presence, we get to pray. Amen.